This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are uh, watching today or maybe listening today by way of radio. We do appreciate those who may be uh, listening and viewing, getting to know your Bible for the very first time. Today on our telecast, we're going to be discussing the subject that they all may be one. There's a con lot of confusion in the religious world today, all over this world. And we want to talk about the subject that they all may be one. I hope that you'll stay tuned. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we are offering a free Bible correspondence course. Now, I realize that there are many things that you see offered on television that have the appearance of being free, when in reality they are not. We're not asking for any money. We, we make this available to you so that you can learn more about the Bible. You say, well, who pays for it? Well, there are Christians who give on the first day of the week as the Lord has blessed them, as the Lord has prospered them, and those funds then are used to make anything we offer on getting to know your Bible available free of charge. So we want you to have it in order that you might know more about the Bible course, that you might know how to receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5211. I'd like to read now from the 17th chapter of John, verses 20 and 21. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus knew how to pray. And in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to his Father in heaven. And in the verses that I have just read, Jesus prays for unity of believers. Listen to it again. I do not pray for these alone, but for those who believe in me through your, their word, that they all may be one. When Jesus prayed that prayer, did Jesus Christ pray for unity and then turn around 
and establish a plurality of religious bodies with differing teachings. Listen to him again. Jesus prayed that they all may be one. I want you to listen to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, and in verse 13. He asked a question. Is Christ divided? Of course, Paul's argument here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is that Christ is not divided. There were those who were saying, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. There, there was confusion and division in the church at Corinth over men. And Paul asked, is Christ divided? Jesus prayed that we all may be one. Jesus prayed for unity of believers. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible to have the unity for which our Lord prayed? First of all, I'd observe from 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33 that God is not the author of confusion, but rather He is the author of peace. As a matter of fact, in Philippians 4, 9 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, He is referred to as the God of peace. In Isaiah the ninth chapter and in verse 6, in Isaiah's prophecy about Jesus, he refers to him as being the prince of peace. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace. Paul wrote in Romans the 14th chapter, and in verse 17, that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but, but it is righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. When Jesus came into the world, Jesus came to bring peace. In Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 13, listen to what Paul wrote. But now in Christ Jesus... You who were, once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He is our peace. Who has made both one. And has broken down the middle wall of separation. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments containing ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making what? Making peace. According to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, we are to allow peace to rule our hearts. According to Romans the 14th chapter and verse 19, we're to follow after things that make for peace. You see, God is not the author of confusion, but rather God is the author of peace. If you'll take your New Testament 
And you'll turn back to the second chapter of Acts and look in verse 44. You read these words. Now all who believed were together and had all things common. There was unity. They were united. Turn to the fourth chapter of Acts and verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. So those early Christians were united. They were of one heart, one soul. So I repeat, repeat that God is not the author of confusion, but rather God is a God of peace. When Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed for unity. He was not praying for union. There are some that contend that the unity for which Jesus prayed would eventually be in heaven, but it would not be found on earth. But let's look at that prayer again here in John chapter 17 and look in verse number 21. And there Jesus said that they all may be one, Father, as as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us, listen to him now, that the world may believe you sent me. That doesn't sound to me like that the unity for which Jesus prayed was going to be in heaven, it's going to be on earth. It would be something that people could observe. There are some that contend that you can have unity and that you can still have differing ideas and differing doctrines. That is, you can have unity and diversity. But I ask you, is that the unity for which Jesus prayed? The, 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 the unity for which Jesus prayed is the kind of unity that existed between he and the Father. They were united in their purpose. And Jesus carried out the purpose of God. In John the fourth chapter in verse 34, he said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Well, what was God's will? Salvation of the world. In Luke 19 and 10, we're told the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the, that which is lost. So the purpose of God was to save man. And the purpose of Christ in coming to the world was to save man. And the purpose of Jesus in going to the cross was to carry out the will of the Father. They were united in purpose. They were united in practice. Can you imagine... The Father practicing one thing and the Son turning around and practicing something else that would be in contradiction to that which the Father did. No, no. They were one. They were united and one in their teaching. Whatever the Father taught is what the Son taught. And I cannot imagine Jesus teaching one thing 
so far as man's salvation is concerned, and then the father turning around and teaching something so far as man's salvation that would contradict what the son taught. And I cannot imagine those things that happening because they were one in their teaching. Someone says it's not possible for men to teach the same thing. Well, then when we say that, then, then we're saying that it's not possible to have unity because the Father and the Son were united in their teaching. We're to, Jesus prayed for the kind of unity that the Apostle Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, and in verse 10. Let me read that passage to you. Now, I plead with you, and I plead with you today, he said, and I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is, by His authority, that you all, listen to Him carefully now, speak the same thing. Someone says, well, you, you see it your way, and I see it my way, and someone else sees it their way. You preach it like you want to preach it, and I preach it like I want to preach it. No, let's, let's, let's read it again. Now, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, that's the kind of unity that Paul wrote about to the church at Corinth. There had to be unity of authority. He called upon these brethren to be united by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the authority of Christ. Until we respect the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will never have Bible unity. Jesus in Matthew 28, 18 said, All authority hath been given unto me in heaven and on earth. The bottom line is this. To be united, we must respect the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul taught unity in authority. He also taught that there ought to be unity in message. Listen to him again. That you all speak the same thing. Now, Jesus prayed for unity. Je Jesus was not praying for union. He was not praying for some type of unity in diversity. Well, someone says, well, well Brother Lambert, if all of that is true, and, and it must be because you've read it from the Bible... What is it that causes division? Why in the world, and I've had people actually ask me this many, many times, why, why is there so much division and why is there so much confusion in the religious world today? Well, I'm going to answer it like this. In the first place, the law of Moses caused division between the Jew and the Gentile. 
during his personal ministry, the Gentiles were excluded. As a matter of fact, when Jesus sent men out to preach, he sent them to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But when Jesus gave the Great Commission, it was the, the whole world was included in that. Jesus came that, that all men everywhere might have an opportunity to be saved and go to heaven one day. And when he gave that commission, he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Peter came to the house of Cornelius in the 10th chapter of Acts, and Cornelius wanted to fall down and worship Peter. And he, and he said, I perceive of a truth that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. There's no favoritism with God. And now the whole world is included in the Great Commission. And then Jesus Christ came into the world and according to what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2 and in verses 14 and to 16, Jesus broke down the wall that separated the Jewish world from the Gentile world. In verse 14 he said, For he himself is our peace, who has made both, that is Jew and Gentile, one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to, to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making what? Making peace. Now listen to verse 16 carefully. That he might reconcile them both to God. In other words, that the Jew and Gentile might be reconciled to God. Where? In one body. And the body is identified in chapter 1 and verse 22 and 23 as the church. So let's read it that way, that he might reconcile them both to God in one church, in one body. How? Through the cross, thereby putting to death the amnity. Now verse 17. And he came and preached peace to you, who were afar off, and to those who were near. Jesus broke down that middle wall of petition that separated the Jewish world, and in taking the law out of the way. You see, that caused division between the Jew and the Gentile. But today, division is caused when men alter the Bible, when they change the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. That simply means that when I stand before you and I preach to you, I'm not to tell you how I feel. I'm not to tell you some experience that I've had. I'm not to tell you some tale that I have heard somewhere. I'm to tell you what God says. 
That, that's all that I have the responsibility to do is just tell you what God says. Let, listen to Peter again. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If you hear someone preaching, you, you put it to the Bible test. Acts chapter 17 and verse 11 says, These were more, more noble than those of Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Division is caused when men try to change the Bible and alter the word of God, and refuse to speak as the oracles of God. It is not what the Bible teaches that divides us. It is what the Bible doesn't teach. Now let me try to illustrate that. Suppose we have before us right now three men. And I want to ask those three men some questions. I'm going to read some verses from the Bible and then I want to ask them what they think about those verses. The first verse I would like to read is John the third chapter in verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now I want to ask those three men the question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that Jesus died for the sins of the world? And all three of those men said, yes, Billy, we believe that. Well, I want to ask you, why do you believe that? And they tell me they believe that because that's what the Bible says. Would you not agree that those men now are united? Let me ask you, why are those three men united? They're united because they all three accept what the Bible teaches. And they believe the Word of God. Well, let me read another verse. And this is a verse that you've heard me read many times on getting to know your Bible. And now I'm reading from Mark the 16th chapter and I'm reading verse number 16 where Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Now I want to ask these three men who are united on the Word of God, so far as Jesus being God's Son, so far as the fact that Jesus died for the sins of the world, they believe that. They're united on that fact. But let me ask them, based upon Mark 16, 16, do you believe that one must believe and that one must be baptized in order to be saved? And I, that one of the men says to me, Brother Lambert, I... I know that's what it says in the Bible. I understand that's what it says. But now I see it different than the way you see it, Brother Lambert. Well, you see, I don't have a way to see it. I just read to you what Jesus said. Well, somebody says, yes, but I just don't believe you have to be baptized to be saved. Let me read it again. He who believes and is baptized 
will be saved. But you say, Brother Lambert, I just don't believe that. Well, now we have two men who say they do believe that. We have one man who says he doesn't believe that. He says he believes Jesus is the Son of God. He believes Jesus died for the sins of the world, but he doesn't believe that what Jesus said when he said, He that who believes and is baptized will be saved. So two men are still united on the Word of God. One man has caused division. Now let's read another passage. Acts chapter 20 and 7. Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow. That's an illustration of early Christians observing the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. Do you believe? I'm asking the two men who are, who are still united on the Word of God. They're united in believing Jesus is Son of God. They're united in believing He died for the sins of the world. They're united in believing that one must believe in Jesus and be baptized in order to be saved. Now I ask you, do you, have to, do you believe that you must observe the Lord's Supper every Sunday? Oh, one of them says, you know, Brother Lambert said, uh, if you do that every Sunday, it'll just become commonplace and it'll lose its meaning. No, no, Brother Lambert, I don't believe that. So we have one man who believes what you read in the Bible. Another man says that you don't have to be baptized to be saved. Another man says you don't have to observe the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Now they're divided. What divided them? It wasn't what the Bible said. It's what the Bible did not say. It was their opinion about what the Bible said that caused the division. And that is what causes division today. But upon what can we unite? And there is only one way for there to be real unity of believers. We must submit to the Bible. In Philippians 3.16, Paul said we're to walk by the same rule. And if we use the Bible as our rule book and all speak the same thing, there can be unity of believers. It is possible today to speak where the Bible speaks, remain silent where it is silent. If any man speak, let him speak the oracles of God. May we unite on the word of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now in the closing moments today, I would like to give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, 
Summerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. <laughs>